Welcome to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing, your source for all things Azure and Microsoft WVD. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of WVD Monthly with uh, your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got Pete Downing, of course, with me. Pete, how's it going? It's going well, Andy. Can't complain. I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to believe. Uh, it's happened quick. I don't know where this year's gone. At the same time, I, I guess it's okay that it's gone by fast. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's been an interesting year for sure. So yeah. there's a... Uh, and a, a return to normalcy in sight, we'll find out. And I think there is. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, I don't know. We'll, you know it's going to be interesting to see how 2021 unfolds. So, so it's been uh, an interesting month-to-month watching WVD evolve. I know we've got another set of updates we want to go through here coming from uh, the Microsoft website. Uh, for October 2020, you made a joke a minute ago about it being November, and we're just now getting the October updates posted. But I guess uh, better late than never, and it continues to roll on. It looks like. Yeah, it's just it's funny. I mean, they they call them uh, you know October updates, but uh, it it was uh, published on 11 11 2020. So you know, I guess hey, better late than never, right? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's. In some cases, that's very timely. But yeah, I can get your point, right? It probably should come out like early October would have been the October updates. But hey, we'll take it and we'll review it. And hopefully if people find value. The first section here talks about improved performance. I think just like what we had last week where there was a handful of countries added. Now they've got Switzerland and Canada uh, added to the um, improved performance section. What does that mean? Um, again, I mean, Microsoft has made the commitment to getting WVD uh, you know, as close to the uh, end user as possible by, you know, getting into as many of their data centers worldwide as possible. And, you know, by doing that, obviously the round trip time drops, your nearest front door is closer to you. And, and for us, the more they expand in Canada, uh, that's good for us because that means it's the data, the images, the sovereign, you know, the, is on sovereign ground. So for us, that's important because we cover Canada. So, so, it's it's about performance, yeah, but it's also that uh, that data sovereignty thing where you know just, you got your data where it needs to be, and now you got your desktops. You know, I use the kids where the Christmas presents are analogy yep. all the time. You, you you can't put them apart from each other because you you're just creating net new headaches for yourself. Yeah, and, and you know Canada is a great example where the data has to be in country. The whether it's an OS, whether it's data, et cetera, the cloud service has to be hosted you know, in country. So it's, it's a great, uh, you know, great for Canada because Canada can now leverage WVD more. Um, but it also helps us because we, we do cover Canada. So I'm excited by this. Yeah. And I guess maybe a lot of it is for performance purposes, right? The, the further you get, uh, um, the further the desktop gets away from the client connecting to it, the more likely you're going to see jitter, but it's, it's all gotten pretty good, but certainly has to help. Yeah, and, and you know the ironic part is you, if you run the um, uh, the experience estimator, which is a little web tool, and they they measure round trip time, and right now it's showing that 
West Central US is my closest data center. But if I refresh, probably at the end of this, it will show me another data center. So, you, you know, you never know. But as you and I both know, being in this in this world for a long time, round trip time is, is critical as far as performance and click and keyboard latency, et cetera. So, so you know, Microsoft recognizes that. And, and you know, it's great for not only Microsoft, but their, their key partners. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's not uh, it's not bandwidth, it's latency that's your nemesis when you talk about uh, desktop virtualization. It's funny, I, I refreshed the screen four times and it went from triple digit latency down to double digit latency. And as you pointed out, now I've got US East. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, when it comes to the world of Citrix protocols and RDP protocols and VMware protocols for display, um, you, know, you get down in the below fifty. Uh, maybe even below 80 or even 100 that you, you, for the most part, don't notice a significant uh, change in the user experience. Yeah, I agree. Yep, yep. Not for most things anyway. Okay, uh, going back to the, um, the post here. Uh, second section talks about Azure government uh, cloud availability. So GovCloud, I guess, is that what it would be uh, nicknamed? Yeah, and, and this is key because, yeah, I mean, we, we have a few customers that are, government oriented and one that I personally work with. And um, this is big because it helps keep the security story moving forward, but also keeps Microsoft very relevant in the uh, federal space. Uh, and you can see this through, you know, um, what they call Jedi, you know, the Microsoft Jedi project, which is uh, getting Microsoft uh, won the big Pentagon contract, which is, is key. And I think, you know, Microsoft recognizes, again, they have to support uh, GovCloud, you know, regular and, and what's called GCC high or GovCloud high. Um, and a lot of my customers use that, that we work with. Uh, so this is big just because it shows that Microsoft is committed to not only catering to the government sector, but also catering to security as well. And, and an interesting thing about commercial is it's all, it's FedRAMP certified, uh, you, you know, but for some agencies, isolation is key. So, you know, GCC, and GCC high is about isolation, not necessarily, not necessarily just security. So you can go and be on commercial cloud and still meet PCI, et cetera. Um, but for some agencies, they have to be in their own rack, be isolated from vendor, you know, from, you know, customer A and customer B. So that this is a big move. And with WBD, it just makes it easier and also helps with interaction with Office 365 if they're hosted in GCC or GCC high as well. So, so it's a big, it's a big feature. Does that uh, increase the cost for customers or is that just something Microsoft's eating to be able to play in the gov space? Um, that's it. That's a good question. I'd have to run that in the calculator. My understanding is it, I mean, there might be a small ticking cost on the security side, but as far as workloads, not much changes from a cost perspective. Um, and again, it all comes down to the EA, EA agreement that the, the, the customer has with Microsoft and, yeah. you know, a couple of the, customers we're working with are fairly large and I imagine they negotiated pretty good EA agreements. <laughs> yeah. I won't, I won't go into a lot of detail here, but all the, all the money, the government, um, the cost of Microsoft back in the years fighting the whole browser wars. And I guess they're going to getting it all back from through uh, Azure consumption somewhere along the way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So next section here talks about uh, Windows Desktop, Windows Virtual Desktop Azure Portal updates, and there's quite a few bullets here. We'll just kind of roll through them. Uh, first one talks about fixed a resource ID error that prevented users from opening the Sessions tab. I guess that's pretty much uh, what it says there, right? Yeah, I think 
it, you know, we could go through each one, but I think the summary here is, you know, Microsoft made a big move, uh, what they call the spring update to move from a non arm uh, service to an arm based service. And, and part of that, a lot of the functionality was put back into, um, uh, the portal and, and being able to manage WBD, uh, from the portal. So these are all just little fixes that I personally have hit as well. Uh, you know, some of these, it's funny. I, I actually hit that first one, um, you know, a couple of times when doing a demo. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, Microsoft is committed to, you know, keeping the portal, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, tip top and, and dealing with issues as they roll in. I think the, the big thing they, they added in, um, that I've noticed is they finally put the RDP settings back into, uh, the portal. They pulled them out for a while and you had to use command line or, you know, cut and paste command to, uh, set the, the RDP, uh, preferences. So for example, do you want to map a drive? Do you not want to map a drive, et cetera? Those settings are back in the portal because they were having a lot of bugs with that. Um, but again, a lot of these fixes you he see here are mainly focused on usability uh, and making the portal more reliable. Um, and you know, nothing, you know, and you and I have been in this a long time. I mean, you know, if there's a bug, hopefully the vendor jumps on it and fixes it right away. So this, this is just shows that Microsoft is committed to continuing the, the portal improvements uh, moving forward. So you threw out the acronym ARM, and maybe most people know, but uh, Azure Resource Management, and the only reason I know is because I've heard a bunch of podcasts lately talking about it. And that, that was the big change, right, in the spring where they brought it into an ARM world. And then, as it's pointing out here, there's a whole bunch of bugs that got uh, exposed during that process, and they're working to get those all knocked out. Yeah, and it, I mean, for, you know, I'll call it minimal viable product, right? They had to get something out the door. It, you know, it's not going to necessarily be perfect. Uh, and I, I think this shows that, you know, Microsoft is very committed to continuing, uh, you know, improving the, the product in, in the portal experience. Um, you know, another one that sticks out here to me is the applications tab now has, you know, pages. So, you know, before it was like applications you would, you would manage, uh, you know, in the, you would have to manage separately. Um, and they now allow you to manage the applications a little more granular. Uh, when dealing with uh, applications. So, uh, so again, just minor improvements to help with usability uh, and, and streamlining the operations. So, Pete, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've waited and waited and waited uh, yep. to really dive into training myself on WVD because I've got people like you and the rest of the team around me that know how to do this stuff. Has it gotten to the point where the level of maturity is to where it's going to be for a little while and, and it won't be changing as I'm trying to learn it or are we still kind of holding on for the ride for a little bit? Uh, I would say it's at the level of maturity where now they're starting to backfill some of the key features that you and I are used to dealing with our, our partners, VMware and Citrix, which are great partners of Azure and WVD. Um, so I, I think it's at a point now where, yeah, if you learned it, uh, the portal's not going anywhere. It's only going to get better. So things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I can't, uh, you know, things like uh, auto auto sessions and uh, scale up and scale down are going to be improved. Uh, things like, uh, you know, connectivity between 
your client in the edge is going to be improved. So it's a lot of the stuff you're going to see is just minor uh, improvements uh, around um, scaling and uh, management. Uh, you know, another big one is MSI X Appetach. So right now, MSI App- MSIX Appetach uh, is still done through PowerShell. They're going to use, you're able to now uh, use um, the portal to manage MSIX apps and they'll automate the attachment of the uh, MSIX app. So things like that. So you'll start seeing minor improvements. I think, yeah, it's a good time to start learning it because you're only going to just see portal improvements moving forward. And again, speculating based on the roadmap items I've seen. Yeah, but that's good. And that's one of the things about, you know, as a service, as a cloud, it can evolve, but you just hope they don't just rewrite it on you in the middle of it. And I think it was Azure originally, I was starting to learn just, just regular old Azure and it got completely overhauled. At some point I went away from it, came back a month later, had no idea what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't think you're going to see that with WVD now. I think if you were on the non-ARM service and now you're on the new, yeah, it was a little I had a customer who went through this. They, the rug was pulled out from underneath them. They spent all this time writing, uh, you know, custom JSON to get it to integrate with uh, the current process. And now they got to go and redo it all based on the new. Uh, and Microsoft's working on a migration plan if you're still on the old uh, and move to the new. And there's a way to do it today. It's just it's not very cut and dry. And that's something that Microsoft's committed to. Yeah. Okay. Um Anything else on the uh, the fixes that you want to cover? No, I, I think I think just summary here. It's refreshing to see that Microsoft is committed to uh, continuing to improve the uh, UI experience. Yeah, it's interesting to see just kind of small tweaks. When do we expect the next uh, big uplift in the product? So the rumor is this month uh, we should see some some big uh, update. You know what they're calling the fall release. You know, that, at least that's what the roadmap is indicating. Again, we don't work for Microsoft, so we can't really say. But if you look at the roadmap and look at some of the functionalities that are coming out, it, it indicates another big, uh, you know, I'll say a, a bigger release. And this typically falls in line with their Ignite conference, which isn't happening this year, um, but is virtual was virtual. Um, and uh, so, you know, we'll see. I think this month, if not early next year, we'll see a big one. Okay. Well, and this next uh, and final section talks about client updates, and it's yep. got the Windows and iOS called out specifically. Is there anything specific in those two you want to? Yeah, so I think the big thing, I'll, I'll start with Windows first. I think, you know, one of the things with the Windows client, and again, you, you, you've iterated this on past sessions, is, yeah, you have to run a separate client when you're uh, – uh, running WBD. It's called the remote desktop client. Um, and they continue to improve that. And the great thing about it is it auto updates behind the scenes. You don't even really see it. Uh, and they're continuing to, to fix things. So for example, in the last release, which is the 1.2.1446 release, uh, one of the things they've added is an issue with smart card redirection, which for gov is a pretty big deal, right? For anything federal, or anybody who uses smart card. Um, so, you know, they're continuing to improve the client experience. Uh, you know, a release before that, they fixed SSO with Windows 7. So they're continuing to improve. Now, the other cool thing is if you're an insider, you get insider build. So, you you know, you get to see some of the newer stuff. So they just launched an insider build on 11.10, the day before they announced these updates. So 1.2.1520. Nothing really big in there. You, just, uh, you can do list views uh, for remote apps, and they changed kind of how icons will appear. So they're constantly updating the client is the good news on the Windows side. 
And then there was uh, something on iOS as well. Is there anything? Yeah. Going? So iOS, um, you know, again, it's refreshing to see Microsoft working on uh, iOS. Um, but yeah, they're continuing to improve. Uh, the latest version of the iOS client is 10.2.0. Uh, and again, they're just improvements all around. So, you know, adding shortcut keys for, uh, you know, so command S and command N to uh, add workspace or add PC. Uh you know, being able to um, invoke a search UI with command F, uh, so command find, um, you know, so just little things to help usability of the client, but keep the client uh, moving forward. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how much parity they get with some of their friendly partners in the space on the client side. Uh, but, you know, I'm seeing a lot of improvement, you know, if I go up and down the list here for iOS, I mean, they had, they've had one, two, three releases just in the month of uh, November. Um, so, you know, just to give users a, a, an idea of how committed Microsoft is to updating the clients. And the same goes for the Android client, uh, the Mac OS client, et cetera. But you, you're going to continue to see improvements um, in the client side. So, so I have two topics for you. One is the one you just mentioned, and, and maybe we'll start doing this every time. What, uh, in terms of parity to, let's say, a Citrix cloud or VMware Horizon cloud, you want to give me a, a number as to how close Microsoft is at this point? Just talking about the PaaS part of it, not necessarily the IaaS, which would be the Azure behind it, but the platform for desktop brokering uh, and connecting to that. How, how far do you think we are from parity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if I'm going to swag it without really doing any deep homework, just what I know, um, I would say on the Apple side or the iOS side, uh, Mac OS side, I'd say they're about 50% of the way there, um, you know, versus Citrix. Uh, probably the same for VMware. I think VMware and Citrix have put a big um, effort into Mac OS because that's a big BYO device. Yep. Uh, on the on the mobile side, I, I would say about 50%, 50% of the way there. Where they're making the most traction is, um, is on the uh, Windows side. So I'd say they're about 70 almost pushing 80% there on that side, just because that's a, you know, as we, you and I both know, you can't get away from using Windows, right? Um, in the enterprise. Where, where it's still falling short, short is the web client. And, you know, web client to me is the most important because if I'm working from home or, you know, I'm on a hotel kiosk machine, you know, the web client's critical and HTML5, they're still fairly behind on that. I would say they're, they're, will be you know less than 50% of the way there versus their partners in the ecosystem Citrix and VMware. So so I would say where the the most mature is Windows. I would say Mac OS is the second, the mobile, believe it or not, and then the web is my my kind of my take. Well, that's a that's a pretty big gap when you're talking about enterprise use cases, but uh it's still you know They'll continue to improve it, and they'll continue to eat away at that uh, that space. The, the next question is regarding um, the Azure Stack HCI or hub use cases where you can bring Azure into your own edge or whatever data center you want. Um, have you ever found out if that's covered in a WVD scenario where you could just bring your WVD to that, that edge use case? Yeah, it, it is. It's fully supported. It has actually been since day one, which is kind of cool. Uh, I got to be honest with you, Azure Stack, and I think you and I want to evangelize this over the next months or so, but it's one of those ones where not a lot of people are using it right now. And I, I don't know if it's a hardware issue or a cost issue, but it, it's 
basically bringing Azure on-prem and creating that hybrid scenario. So yeah, it's fully supported uh, in WVD, has been since day one, but it's a lot easier now with the, uh, you know, the ARM service uh, being supported now. So. Well, I have to assume part of it is creates a conundrum for Microsoft because they really want you in their cloud and, and having you have that option of keeping your stuff on the edge um, doesn't take the uh, solution to where maybe the customer really wants it to be and, and certainly not where Microsoft wants it to be where they control your, you know, your workloads. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just rewind really quick back on the client. The other client we forgot is Linux. And uh, I would say Linux is 70%-ish alt there. And, you know, they can thank Igil and some of the other key partners in the system, the ecosystem to help drive the Linux side. Um, so I think, you know, you know, without Igil, Igil leading the charge originally, the Linux client really wouldn't be where it is today. Um, and, and due to community effort, they, they've been getting Linux pretty up there as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's probably time for me to start uh, start playing with it a little more and learning from my perspective where it's where it starts and stops. And hey, question again on the uh, the Azure Stack HCI. If I'm if I'm connecting, I guess am I going to be able to go directly to that Azure Stack HCI, or am I going to go up through the cloud and back down to get to that? That's a good question. So let me look really quick. So there is a so I would say as of today. And this is just based on a roadmap item that I see here in front of me. Um, it would go up and then down. So it hit the edge and then come back down. So it's the same conundrum that Citrix had to solve. And Citrix solved it, you know, what, three or four months ago with Direct Connect. So uh, one of the roadmap items is uh, direct connectivity between client and session host over managed networks. Um, so that I'm assuming that's what they're solving there. So I guess that kind of goes back to the first call. We were talking about the experience estimator that changes, you know, that latency gives you a whole nother hopper 10 to have yep. to go through again, maybe not a big deal, but um, certainly makes you wonder why not just keep it in the cloud. But maybe at that point, you know, you're talking to, to desktops that are talking to, to applications that are local still, and maybe that's why, and you, you'll take the latency with the delivery protocol, but you know, the application latency isn't there. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, a lot of these features that are that I mentioned in the roadmap are actually in preview mode. If you're in the preview uh, bucket, so you can see some of these if you're uh, actively using WVD. But yeah, I, th- I think that right there is an indicator of uh, uh, you know direct connectivity between client and session is the the indicator that they they recognize that in order to get Azure Stack successful, they need to have direct connect for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, that would make a that would that would solve a lot of problems, I would think. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Pete, anything else going on you want to let folks know about before we adjourn here? Uh just hey, if you're interested, uh, we're gonna have a fun December uh, with our webinar Wednesday as we're doing a year of recap. So I got a lot of great guests in the month of December. I got uh, the beginning of the month. I got Igel and uh, the CEO of Igel joining me, uh, Jed Ayers and, and hopefully Doug Brown. Uh, I got Brian Madden with VMware coming on one uh, one Wednesday. And then I just got Steve Kaplan of Nutanix, who's the ROI TCO master uh, when it comes to Nutanix. So I got a lot of great uh, guests coming in in, uh, in December and some awesome giveaways as well. So you definitely want to tune into the webinar Wednesdays uh, in December. You'll learn a lot. Hey, question. Have you um, decided... And maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but those webinar Wednesdays, have you turned those into your industry podcast or you're going to keep those webinars only? Yeah, yeah, I can. And, and 
yeah, some of them might, they, they actually fit very well with the podcast. So the December ones might be a good way to do it because there'll be a lot of roundtable discussion. So it's a great idea. And I'll, I'll probably use December as the way to start that off. And then I'm doing another series next year that I'm going to, will be very podcast friendly. It'd almost be like a live podcast that I can do yeah. uh, on the fly. So, um, but yeah, uh, that's a great idea. And uh, on that note, right, we're going to be, Zintegra and myself, we're going to be starting additional pods. So right now we have Citrix, um, the Citrix session. We have On the Horizon, which is our VMware Horizon podcast. We have this WVD Monthly. Uh, we're going to be adding a, a Nutanix podcast and an iGel podcast. So it's going to be, going to be podcast central around here. Hopefully we'll be getting you know five podcasts a week out and continuing yeah. to provide content. <laughs> Uh, and, and congrats on number 50 on your Citrix session. So you got number 50 and before you know, it, we'll be at number a hundred. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it sounds cliche, but, uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun or when you're in COVID lockdown or both, but, uh, it really hasn't seemed like it's been that much of an effort to do them. It just, uh, they just keep rolling along. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think simplicity is key is what I've learned. And you just, you give them to me and I put them up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, we find blogs we want to cover. We cover those blogs and we hit the record button and then we hit the turn the record button off. We post it. It's just been just an easy way to get it done and, and people seem to be enjoying it. So that's great. Yep. All right. Well, with that, I'll let you go. It's uh, 530 on the East Coast and I'm sure you got things to do and so do I. So uh, have a good evening. All right, man. Thanks, Andy, for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host, Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing. Thanks to podcast episode guests. Podcast produced by Pete Downing. If you are interested in joining a Zintegra podcast, email info at Zintegra.com. Podcast copyrighted by Zintegra, LLC. 